0: What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in here to the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel, the delayed, tape-delayed, belated episode of Smack Talk this week. Rick Ucino here, the wrestling legend himself, Dutch Mantel, uh, back in the saddle. We, I swear, we promise, our, our normal, regular time after Rampage Live on Friday is still a thing. There's just been some extenuating circumstances the last few weeks that have pushed it off to a tape delay, but... Fingers crossed, we'll be back in our regular time slot this coming week, uh, right after Rampage at 11.05 across all of the Sportskeeda Wrestling channels. Dutch, we're still waiting on SP3 to get here, but we got a lot to get into today. We got to talk about Mr. Bray Wyatt. We got to talk about Mr. L.A. Knight. Yeah. Rey Mysterio, now a member of the SmackDown roster. We had the DX Reunion. And apparently WWE is going to be making some big changes uh to their pay-per-views next year, uh, including the cancellation of what was supposed to be one of their pillar shows. We got a lot to talk about today, Dutch. How are you doing, my good sir?
1: Oh, I'm doing uh I'm doing really well. Hey, I'll take I'll take blame for the show not uh, airing Friday because and this is this just the cause. I hate to say this, but I went to the eye doctor and he dilated my eyes and if anybody's ever had that, hey, that's no that's no mere little procedure they do on you. So when I walked outside and the sun hit me, ooh, I could not, I lost my balance and everything. I couldn't even walk. And then I got a tremendous headache and I just didn't feel like like doing the show. I mean, I could have done the show, but I wouldn't have been myself, so if I can't do my show at 100% or the show at 100%, I think I need to pick a time where I can do that. But uh,
0: we're all about quality here, Dutch. you got to be able to actually, like, watch the product. You said you couldn't see six inches in front of your face, so kind of hard to watch TV.
1: Watch. And if I looked at TV, my the headache got worse. I don't know. Hmm. It, I thought I was going to have to go back to the hospital because it was hurting, hurting that bad. But, hey, guess what? I'm Dutch. And I got through it the best way I could, and I'm here right now. So and now we're still missing Sid. You know, Sid lives in New York City, so let's give him a little time <laughs> because he may be on he may be on the subway and trying to make it. But um, and I hey, hope not- he may
0: he may just be celebrating the fact that the Giants and the Jets are actually you know worth a shit this season. So
1: uh. you are too much. <laughs> and I want to say right now that last weekend. I saw the greatest college football game, and we were just talking about it. Yeah. The greatest college football game that I've ever seen in my life, which takes in literally thousands of games.
0: I, was gonna, I thought you were about to say thousands of years, but go on.
1: Stop it. Rick, He <laughs> did bad mouth you so bad, and I, I defended you the best I could. Finally, his points were too strong. I just had to start agreeing with him. Yeah, I got the greatest college game I've ever seen in my life, it was Alabama and uh, Tennessee. Great game, 102,000 people in that stadium loud. And you brought up the only other game that probably as was as great as that game was the uh, Auburn game playing Alabama, what, 20 years yeah, ago? Yeah, well, no, it was about – I was
0: uh probably about nine years ago now or something like that, nine, eight, nine years ago at this point. But, yeah, it was the Iron Bowl where Alabama lined up to – uh, kicked the field goal and Auburn uh, caught it. 109 yard touchdown return off of the missed field goal at the gun. It was absolutely insane. Everybody at work was losing their dang you minds when that one happened. You couldn't book that finish. No, nobody no, would. That, that is about. something straight out of Hollywood. Right. Like that's, that's <laughs> something you would see at the end of like one of those, one of those movies where Keanu Reeves is quarterback, right? Like that's, that's one of those things that you would see, except they'd throw in some flea flickers and uh, backwards passes and laterals and, and BS like that to make it even
1: more improbable. Uh, let's start, let's talk a little rest in here.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we, we are going to start uh, with the man of the last week and a half or so now, ever since he made his, uh, triumphant return to WWE he had that uh, the fantastic build-up to his day re-debut at Extreme Rules with Bray Wyatt you had that crowd in Philadelphia that absolutely lost their damn minds and then WWE they made everybody wait pretty much a full week Dutch right up until the last bit he got the mic to close the show on Friday they kept everybody waiting what iteration of Bray Wyatt were we going to see was it gonna be the backward swamp Bray Wyatt? Was it gonna be the Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt? Were we gonna get the fiend? Were we gonna get something completely new? And Dutch, what we got was Wyndham Rotunda. That that's who we got. We got that's Bray, it. we got the man behind Bray Wyatt for the first time, I think, ever since he took the
1: name Bray Wyatt in in a public engagement was and, himself. And how long do you think he's been warning? to do that interview. I bet you he's done that interview a thousand times in his head, driving up and down the road or making an airplane trip or just thinking he has practiced and uh, perfected that interview over all these years. So it, And we finally saw it come out. Now, whether it's good or bad, I, I think it's actually good because we saw the real gray Wyatt without a gimmick or a character surrounding him uh, and the crowd literally ate that up yeah they, they were they could tell that he was himself and yeah. he was he was actually pouring out his heart to them and they and he had actual tears that's why I said that 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 interview no no writer wrote that for him it was straight from his heart and of course he'll go back to being whatever the character they want him to be, the, the fiend or whatever. And the fans will eat that up too. They understand how the wrestling business kind of works and with the characters and all that. So for him to be himself, you know, is, I think that stunned them. I was not
0: expecting it. I
1: was not expecting it. To- and I'm sitting back and I said, man, and you can tell when it's heartfelt. Yeah. You know, he was choking up and he had tears and, and, and I, you had to believe what he was saying.
0: And I think that's something he, he, he needed to do. Right. Cause he has been silent since his release. He's done a couple of, of signing engagements with fans. And, you know, you, you've been to those comic cons and things like that. Right. It's like, Sign, thank you for coming. You know, how I love you. Everything, great. You don't really get a whole lot of one-on-one yeah. time to have like a meaningful conversation
1: with anybody. But, you know... I did. Right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm right there. I'm, for, I'm, I'm, the, I'm there for them. So if they want to talk to me, and of course, when we wrap up our little talk, I slap them and tell them to go on. The <laughs> and that but, makes a little hot. So they want their money back. So I want to give it to them. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, you could tell that this was... He just needed to kind of get this off of his chest, right? It was, it, it's just something that has been bubbling up and and he saw the support that he got on social media and, and everywhere else. And ev- he has had nothing but fans telling him how much he got screwed and how much they loved him and how much they, they, I mean, I've had so many people tell me that one of the reasons they got back into professional wrestling was because of Bray Wyatt and the work that he was doing as a character and just the creative mind that he has is so valuable to the company. But not only that, the following, I mean, people, they either love this guy or they hate him, but they're going to tune in to watch him. And we all wanted to see what was going to happen. And then, Hey, look, it's, it's him. It's Wyndham Rotunda. He's given this heartfelt speech. And then the, the, the Titan Tron comes on and we get that, that Bray Wyatt figure that we saw at Extreme Rules where they had the new mask on. He's got the very modulated voice where you really got to like listen to it like 10 times to understand what he's saying. But he's the one who cuts off uh, Bray in the middle of the ring and it closes the show, which to me seems like Maybe the whole Wyatt six, maybe that's not necessarily a faction. I know that's one of the biggest rumors is, oh, well, Bo Dallas is going to come back and they're going to bring back like three other people and they're going to mix it in with, with him uh, there. And it's going to be this, uh, this big faction, but maybe it's just going to be him playing the alter ego game where he's being tortured by not to steal a line from Randy Orton, but the voices inside of his head, so to speak.
1: Well, Sid just texted me and he says, are you ready? So I guess <laughs> He'll, he'll be here in a second, yeah I, I I like that because he's like you said he he saw the following that he had, and you remember the big uproar when w w e got released him I yes. saying, how would you release him? I mean, he's one of and the merchandise sellers and I think that's his I don't know if he if he was drawing that well before but he he quit in the pan he he got released during the pandemic yes
0: no uh no no what had happened he was well i guess kind of because he his last match was at wrestlemania 37 which was like their last big show or their first big show in front of the crowd in tampa and then they went back to the thunderdome after that Uh, So, yeah, I guess technically he did over the summer. And then once they got to SummerSlam, that's when they were live crowds from there on out.
1: Well, what's going to happen now, since he surprised us with that, now there's no telling what he's going to do. I think that could have been one of the best moves they could have made at that time with Bray Wyatt is have him show up as himself because now he's told his story. So now he can go to work. And now the the fans can get back to – and especially the Bray Wyatt fans, or the Fiend fans, or the Family fans, or whatever they were a fan of that Bray Wyatt had a part of, now they can go back to enjoying the show. Good luck to him. I hope it works for everybody.
0: It, it it's it is going to be interesting to see where they go from it. What 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 would you like to see them do, Dutch? Do you like the idea? because we know that Bray has been all these different characters before, and obviously he's crazy creative and he can go from being uh, funny to serious at the drop of a hat, or he can go from being one character to the other. We have seen other people come out before, right? Once fans kind of wise up to who they are, right? Well, I mean, we've seen Mick Foley do this, right? He'll show up as Mick Foley or he'll show up as Cactus Jack or he'll show up as Dude Love or show up as Mankind. It's all the same guy, but it's a different mentality. When you have Bray Wyatt now pulling out, you know, these kind of characters, would you rather say the Wyatt six just be a faction with Bray and then five others, or would you rather see kind of Wyatt playing off on all of these different characters and just being the entire group by himself, basically?
1: I think any of those choices would work at this point. I like for him to be the, now we've seen Bray Wyatt, just straight up Bray Wyatt. So that's another character. He's the fiend. Then he's the swamp runner. Then he can be Bray Wyatt. So he's got three three different uh, characters right now, and you put the faction around him. So they got something there they can really work with. And it's great for him because you just see what works best and go with that for a while. Then you, all, all you do is just, you know, you slough off that and you go to something else. Well, so I
0: think... I think one of the things that's going to really help make this be a success, no matter what it is, is, you know, one of the reports that came out is that Triple H has set concrete long term plans for Bray Wyatt, you know, at least a rough outline, right? Like you, you plan, but who knows what could happen, you know, and things could obviously change, but he's got a rough concrete plan for Bray Wyatt all the way through to WrestleMania and he's going to be booking him as a, as a major star. Right. So I think that is going to help actually having concrete plans and somebody behind him. Whereas you've heard the stories from Randy Orton and Bray White. They had no idea where that story was going on a week to week basis. I mean, how hard is it to, to go through something like that as a performer, where you, You're basically being told to go out there as Sid joins us. Let's move him over. There's there's SP3. When you're when you're a performer. Wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) But but when you're a performer and you don't know what you're doing on a week to week basis, you know, but you have this massive storyline that everybody's, you know, involved with, you know, how are how difficult is that to to
1: to work around? Basically, when you don't know when you don't know where this is going. Well, hell, I never knew where me and uh, Jack were going was probably going to hell for all I knew, but you'd show up. What are we doing? Uh, they're still deciding. But we weren't the top guy like Bray was. And they may not even know where they were going because, again, we were back in Vince's day, and things could change on a dime. He could just go in there and change his mind, rewrite the show. They've rewritten the show sometimes at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. The, I know. The, show they rewrite it I mean just keep the stuff that they couldn't change and to rewrite the rest of it so but I think Bray Wyatt right now is in he's in control of his own destiny and I think that's what he was looking for I think before they listened to him but yeah I don't think vince got it the way he got it now the new regime may get it so I think it works well for him so now we'll see what he can do SP three no, just uh, he the following. He has the following. Oh, for so sure. see if he can carry that out.
0: SP three. What did you make of uh, of basically Wyndham Rotunda uh, coming out there on Friday and us getting to see the man behind Bray Wyatt for really the first time before he was interrupted by uh, what appeared to be an alter ego of himself.
2: I like the fact that WWE has chosen, since everybody seems to have an issue with everybody that Bray Wyatt has feuded with in the past, he's going to feud with himself. I think that's a brilliant idea. Have him feud with himself, these different alter egos. Don't even have the Wyatt Six be a stable. Have it be six different alter egos feuding with each other within Bray Wyatt. And then we'll eventually, maybe a year from now, get his first feud with an actual other person.
0: Uh, I mean, Bray's talented though. I don't, uh, so are we going to wait a year for him to have a match? Cause I don't know if he can wrestle himself. Is that a thing?
1: <laughs> I mean, it would be good though. I like it already. Oh, we're just throwing stuff around you anyway. You know, that's what Bray's going to be doing. So. I mean, who knows where he's at as far as like
0: in-ring conditioning is and things like that. I mean, oh, I think,
1: I think he's fine. Because I don't think he sat back knowing he's coming back to the WWE to step into the ring and he didn't start training for it. It's fair. Fair I think he's ready to go.
0: Well, we shall see. We're all looking forward to what's coming next for Mr. Bray Wyatt. Uh, We did get a report that came out over this past weekend uh, from WrestleNomics Uh, just last year. They tried to establish WWE day one as one of these big, massive, stable, you know, pay-per-views, right? That's that was what they wanted to do they wanted to start this new year's day uh tradition lines up perfectly for this year the fact that it's on a sunday night perfect right everything would be great WrestleNomics says uh no actually that's not going to be happening it was supposed to be in atlanta tickets were supposed to go on sale last month none of that is happening there's no rebranding they're just canceling it uh reportedly no day one at all which means there's not going to be a pay-per-view between survivor series and the royal rumble so that would be going from the end of November all the way to the end of January without a premium live event. Also, here, Dutch, uh, reportedly there are changes coming to the premium live event structure next year. Maybe getting getting away from the gimmicky pay-per-views, a la hell on the cell, and going with more international events. Uh, your thoughts on on all of this that's coming out I, here.
1: I love that. I love that. I hate I hate the gimmicky pay-per-views. It's just more of the same and you know and you, do, you to see the same type of match two or three times a night or more hit gets old after the first two i mean have a regular big card have a lot of angles it's like a, it's like a big show this guy has a, a, a issue here in match 2 this guy has and the girls have a, a issue in match 3 and then you build on that then of course you get you're gonna depend on your top two or three matches to draw your to draw your crowd anyway. Do it that way. I mean, I hate to see uh, an all steel cage pay-per-view. I hate that. That's why I don't watch it. So, like, and the hell in the cell. I hated hell in the cell. I never did like that anyway, Hell, I never understood the thing. We used to do a deal called the the Double Ring Battle Royal, but you can only do that so many times because then the people said, we've seen it, but they haven't seen all the stories that you can throw at them. So, I mean, I'm a story guy. Tell me a story. Show me a conclusion Or or, or something that splits off and goes in a different direction. I'll buy that all day long because it's different and the story can change. But for the same gimmicky type pay-per-view all the time, I don't like it.
0: Well, and SP3, one of the things that we've talked about with Hell in the Cell is very rarely since this became a specialty pay-per-view where this cage is the focus, very rarely has there actually been a feud or a storyline that merits going inside Hell in a Cell. And it's really kind of watered down the match in and of itself if the i i am all for this because you know we're, we're sitting here every year we're going well which one of these matt i guess they could put this in a hell in a cell i guess where they could do this cody and seth all right that one made sense that was great and then you add in cody's peck and you know the the match ended up being you know a, a spectacle in and of itself this year but i mean man, it just completely watered down something that used to be so iconic to the point where we don't want to see it anymore, and that's not what you want out of these matches.
2: Yeah, the only thing I kind of disagree with was the Cody and Seth. I didn't really think that was worthy of a Hell in a Cell. It turned out to be a great Hell in a Cell match, but I don't think a guy beats another guy twice coming into a new company and all the heel did was beat him up once, cost him a U.S. title shot, and then you get to a Hell in a Cell. Nah, that doesn't feel worthy of a Hell in a Cell after Shawn Michaels and Triple H were at war with each other for two years before they went to a Hell in a Cell and Batista and Triple H's war with each other. They did did a similar feud where the babyface beat the heel twice before we got to Hell in a Cell, but it felt worthy of it because of the Beating that Triple H gave them We just haven't felt that with the Hell in a Cell So I think it's a good move to move away From these gimmick pay-per-views They've been doing it since 2009 When they introduced Hell in a Cell and TLC They've already pretty much scrapped TLC And they want to focus on these Big stadium shows So getting rid of Hell in a Cell Kind of opens the door for that And in this new regime They've kind of put an emphasis on Leaving a mark or a memorable moment Or match in each pay-per-view or premium live event that they've done so far under Triple H. You know, SummerSlam, you had The Brock Lesnar lifting up the ring big spot uh, with the forklift, uh Clash at the Castle, you had Solo Sikoa being introduced, you had Gunther and Sheamus, uh their epic encounter, and then Extreme Rules, you had Bray Wyatt's return. So, just focusing on those particular type of pay-per-views and even the big stadium shows, that's what WWE needs to do right now because they have the good regime that's going to give us the quality content That requires and that lives up to these high marks
0: pay-per-views as much as I would uh, hate it from a standpoint of it it not benefiting me because it would be less interview opportunities I wouldn't be mind if they completely scaled down the number of premium live events that they do in a year where you're not having to book every three weeks or four weeks, uh, a, a pay-per-view. It kind of allows things to, to breathe a little bit and make some of these, these actual premium live events feel like a premium live event.
1: Well, they're making more money now than they were before with all these pay-per-views, 14 or 12 or 14, spread out over the year. Uh, yeah, and they're making more money now. And they made more money during the pandemic. Now, w- one reason is the Saudi deal and now, now they're taking pay per views to, to, to Saudi. And I think they want to, if they want to be worldwide entertainment, they got to actually go worldwide. Yeah. So I think a good place would be Australia. I think that would be a great place to have a, a pay per view. Or Japan, or Germany. I don't think, have, have you ever been to Germany?
0: Probably for a house show or something like that, but yeah, no. And they did do they did do an event in Australia, didn't they? The uh, the showdown, the under- super super showdown that
2: had the <laughs> Triple H uh, Undertaker match. I think that was back in 2018. Yeah, yeah so they've
1: been let's there. Go, let's go to Rome. What about Rome and the Colosseum? I doubt if they get in there, but that'd be a great deal, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> run, run
0: some chariots out there. <laughs> I mean you got what Roman inside the Roman Coliseum? Let's go.
1: See, you're already yes. thinking. See, just a little Let's, idea itself.
0: Let's go. itself. Just haven't come out there dressed up like uh oh what's his name? Russell Crowe?
1: Hell yeah. Let's hey. go. <laughs> Get an actual lion in there. Let's go. <laughs> and I think they could so of the places, you know, it they have the world to go to. So I think that's just part as part of the draw. As anything else, I would like to see a. I would like to see a pay per view from Germany, or see it from Japan or Australia. You said they've already done one in Australia, but and they've done them in in, in England, but have they done one in Mexico?
2: No, I don't think so. Not like a major show
1: mm-hmm. that I
2: remember. Not even. I think they've done like house shows. They've done house shows in Mexico. I don't know if they've done one since they started touring
1: again, though. Oh, I did some house shows in Mexico, too, that damn near killed me. And this was WWE. You know, because WWE is noted that the people don't get rowdy. They don't get mean. They had literally was coming over the gate, over the, you know, the little barricade there. And I may have told this story before. I went back and security. I said, he wasn't with me. I said, where are you at? I don't know why. I was back here drinking coffee. I said, you better get your ass out there with me. <laughs> <laughs> them people trying to kill me he said oh shut up those people are not going because he was used to WWE uh, audiences in the states kind of yeah, they'll boo you a little bit but it's all in fun well he went out with me the next night we were really close on the border of Mexico they were saying they were cussing me in Spanish And he looked at me and said you weren't shitting me I said no kidding That's <laughs> what I'm tell you. and I told him the night before I said listen I forgot his name now he's a good guy I said, if I get hurt out there, I'm going to make sure you get fired. And the next night, he was right there with me. So Smart man. And I knew just enough Spanish to get the dog shit beat out of me. So (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to the fans, and they were getting mad.
0: But anyway,
1: that's. Yeah,
0: let's take all these guys out worldwide and uh, show them what what
1: the real
2: crowds are like. Exactly. That's what they need.
1: But if you tell young guys today what the wrestling business used to be like, they look at you like, you got to be nuts. Shut up. I mean, they don't they don't watch YouTube or anything. They don't watch any of these crowds really, really getting upset. Yeah. Because in Puerto Rico, I keep bringing it up, that's the roughest place I've ever been. I have fought my way to the ring to get there. Because it was the last match. They were all drunk. They hated me. We took six cops and had to it sold out packs. You couldn't move standing room only and we had to push our way through. And then and they were still trying to hit me. And then on the way back, it was the same deal. Crazy. See, if you get them in that zone of they don't know what's real and they don't know what's real, they start believing it. But sometimes it, it sounds good. Till they try to kill you. <laughs> then you try to say, Oh no, we were just playing. It's an angle. It's an angle. Hey, gay fade, gay fade. <laughs> I was gonna say, at least nowadays
0: fans tend to be more tuned into the fact that it's an actual show. So maybe you wouldn't see that, but God knows. We have seen a couple of people at least get up onto the ring apron in AEW recently, uh with, with MJF involved. So it, it all depends on who but, can
1: generate that is, kind of heat. But he is a heat magnet. Yes. Yeah. Because he's not a really super big guy, and we, I've talked about this to to a lot of guys. Because if a guy's five eight or whatever, every guy in the audience thinks they can whip his ass. <laughs> so when he runs his mouth, I'm not afraid of you, and I'll beat your ass, and I'll send you blah blah blah. You know, finally, some of those guys just they take it personally. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they end
0: up drinking out of a straw because they get punched by out, him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I want to advise Mr. MJF, be careful when you go back to their crowd. Because <laughs> when people he... can go and shoot up house school houses and you know, you know they don't give a shit about his ass. <laughs> well, there you go. There you have it, folks. So be careful. <laughs> I I did want
2: to ask you, Dutch, because you said you 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 know you get annoyed by the all you know pay per views with all steel cages. How was your time in you know TNA booking lockdown?
1: I I hit. <laughs> I said, that was their deal. I kind of went over there. I'd go to catering, sit in, and oh, Dutch, uh, they need you somewhere. I said oh, I tell them I'll be there. Then I'd go to the other side of the building. You know, I just, I was basically unavailable for a lot of it because I didn't even know what was going on. I hated the concept. Uh, But that come from, I think that came from Dixie. All the matches in the cell or lockdown or whatever. She said, why don't we make them all in the cell, in the cage? And Jeff and Vince said, okay, let's make them. I, I think at that point, Jeff didn't give a crap. Vince didn't give a crap. You know, I didn't give a crap. <laughs> we'll just throw them all out there. And even the talent looked at us, they said, why is every match in the cage? And they said, well, you know, it's, a, what, the, it's what they wanted yep. to do. The higher-ups, yeah, you know. know I, what the do the no, higher-ups. Don't, don't ask me. So. Went over my head. Oh. Well,
0: Dutch, one person we also know that you're a really, really big fan of was Max Dupree, uh, and Maximum Male Models. Huge, we huge. know you are. You were huge on that angle, and I know you're. You're just torn up inside that the that they are being ripped apart now. That was Vince McMahon's baby. Triple H has now gotten a hold of Maximum Male Models, and I guess to his credit would be the word to say here he has kept the majority of the group together. But he saw something differently in Mr. Max Dupree than what Vince McMahon saw and decided to say, ah, uh-uh, ah, we're going back to L.A. night. Yeah, this was something that was slowly teased over several weeks. He made his announcement last week after he laid out Mansois and Massey and said, no, don't call me Max anymore. I am L.A. night. Friday, he shows up. He wins his debut match over Mansois and then. Looked like they had a baby face on their hands. Got a great reaction from the crowd. He grabs the mic and says, you think I did that for you? Basically, F off. Goes full on heel LA night, which is probably where he's in his biggest comfort zone. Uh, and he has put the entire locker room on notice. So what did you think of the re-debut of LA night on SmackDown? And uh, what do you think
1: well, his my- prospects moving forward are now that he's out of Maximum Male Models? Well, thank God. I said it was dead on arrival. It was dead before arrival. I mean, you don't got to wait for it to get there to be dead. It was a dead, dead gimmick. I knew as soon as they walked through that door, or he was up there talking about it by himself in the ring. That that's, it just wasn't going to go. Now, he's a hell of a talker. Now, whether he can transfer that talking heat to the ring, different story. Personally, I think he's like a mid-card guy. I don't, I don't see him going up into the main event. Not that big, but he's a hell of a talker, and he would be a hell of a manager. But they don't want him. He, I think he wants to actually work Russell. So let him, let him do that. But he's much better in that LA night gimmick than he was at Max Dupree. Yeah. sorry, right, yeah, I forgot the Dupree. But, uh...
0: <laughs> Dupree. Yeah, but hey, Maxine's doing a great job in that role. She can kind of take over. They can keep Mansois and Marseille doing whatever they're going to do as the comic gimmicky tag team. I I still think they have something that that can be entertaining from time to time. It's not like all of the the segments that Maximum Male Models did were complete duds. Um and I do think some of the stuff they do in the they ring were. is
1: I do they think were, some of the they stuff were. they in the ring is funny. They will Yeah. But, this is what happens in wrestling. Sometimes, if you have a gimmick that fails, well, just push it to the side and then come up with another idea. The fans don't give a crap. If it didn't get over now, you, the, everybody's thinking, oh, "All right, give us something we can kind of enjoy here." Now, if they come up with something else that those maximum male models can do, and it may be entertaining. But as it was, it was not entertaining, and I don't—I I didn't even know the purpose of it. And nobody. It was, did either. it was
0: something Vince wanted. Vin, Vin, this this was reportedly something that was all Vince. This was he was hands on on this, and Triple H inherited it. And all of a sudden, within two months, we got LA Night back, which is what everybody was basically asking for. And now you almost got to feel sorry for for Mace and Mansoor and and Maxine, who are now stuck with this. Who knows well, where
1: the hell that's going to go? But probably, she's probably the best uh, recipient of it because now. You can stick her somewhere else, but the other two, if you have to restart them, I mean, I would keep the maximum male models going and work. I'd yeah. actually work angle between both of them and have them fall out. But I don't even know if that'll work. I don't know. You just got to try to throw whatever that you can you got with them on the wall and see what the creative team thinks is the best way to go with them. They're going to be a first or second match, if that on the cards anyway
2: yeah but you need that type of act like that act has always kind of been something wwe's always had whether it's like social outcast or uh 3mb they've always had those type of acts that are kind of in the lower card that are just there to be the chumps and the joke heels to to lose on you know the the first or second match on the card and i think with la Knight, i think you're absolutely right he is going to be fitting into like the mid card and lower card but they need that they really don't have a guy that can be in that mid card, low lower card, and eventually even move up to the upper card and the main event. You know, Sheamus just transitioned from going heel to being babyface. He was kind of a guy that could fluctuate from throughout the card. He can be the opening match, he could be the second match, he could be the middle of the card, he could be the main event. Eventually, maybe L.A. Knight can fill that void that now that Sheamus is on the babyface end, and you know they didn't even have a guy like Happy Corbin who kind of fit that fit that role as well. He he's kind of getting the repackage. We don't know what type of character he's going to be now. He says that Triple H is going to be giving him the edge back to his character. So while he's being repackaged, LA Knight can kind of get the spotlight for now. So I think that they just need to take the time and establish him on the card, but he's going to be a necessary piece to the SmackDown puzzle over the next couple of months.
0: And I, you could tell by him going heel immediately that this, this is it. He's done with maximum male models. He beat Mansois. It's going to be a clean break. I don't expect him to be wrestling mace next week. Cause they're not going to do heel versus heel uh, at this point. So I think this was a great introduction for LA, a reintroduction for LA. I loved what he did in NXT. He got massively over there. We'll see what he can do. I think, I, I think he can thrive in the quote unquote mid card. And, um, well, we'll see where he goes from there. They did get another addition uh, to the SmackDown roster. SB3, this is something that we had talked about. All of a sudden now when you get Karrion Cross and Braun Strowman back and, and, and Max ain't no small guy either, and then you bring in Bray Wyatt, all of a sudden SmackDown was like the land of the beef. It was big meaty men bumping meat. Well, now we got something on the complete opposite side of that. They bring in Legato Del Fantasma. Great. Now they bring in Rey Mysterio as well. We're sitting here wondering when is it going to be Dominic and Ray? When's he finally going to just smack the ever-living shit out of his, you know, smarmy kid, you know, who's actually a full-grown man. But for some reason, commentary loves to sell him like he's a 12-year-old boy. But whatever. Instead of going that route, Ray says, nope, I don't want none of this. He goes to Triple H, says, hey, look, I quit. I can't I can't be on the same show as my son. And Triple H was like, all right, fine. Instead of you quitting, instead of you beating up your son, I want to put you in this on the blue brand, we're gonna put you in an intercontinental title qualifier. You're gonna win that, and congratulations. Now you're gonna faith Gunter. <laughs> so Dutch, I like he, it. He doesn't want to beat up his son. So he says, but look at a deal way. to move Lambert to SmackDown, and now he's an IC title
1: contender. What do you think? Yeah, but it's still there, right? He didn't want to oh, beat yeah. up his son. But the but but the possibility is still there. So they I just mean, let's it. not
0: act like the brands are. You know, a, a, a fortress. All right, like we see people hop on different brands week to on a week, week, week to week basis. They so, come
2: up with logical reasons for that.
1: The logical. <laughs> don't ever use that word with wrestling. I mean, but when it is logical, it works. If the people can sit back, so that makes sense. Because wrestling fans, they sit back after they watch a show and they go, "Hmm, that don't make a." frigging bitter sense what the hell are they thinking at least the ones who watch on a week to week basis anyway. well and uh, hey i did it when i was working too but but the ones that the 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 ideas that kind of click in the fans mind it makes them think a little bit they do the best or if you got a massive rivalry or you know match coming up and that clicks in the fans' minds too. And they want to see who wins it. See the when you have a sellout, you know, say we used to go to Memphis all the time, and it would do on a regular basis six or seven thousand people a week. Damn, that's a hell of a lot of people do on a weekly basis. Just you got this club, and uh, how many people going to be there? Six thousand? What the hell? Six thousand people. But, but but when you drew the casual fans. Then you had your sellout. Because that's you, casual fans, were like, uh, it's like a Memphis WrestleMania, but we just called it a big show. <laughs> we, we didn't have a name for it. But when it's sold out, that's when you pack all your angles on this show, and it's a big one, raise your prices a little bit, give it the appearance of a big show, and run it. I've seen the place jam down with 12,000 people at least 20 times. Of course, it didn't do that every week. Some weeks, some. You could put 3,000 people in there, and it looks empty. You could shoot a shotgun off in the place and not beat anybody. But when you you had a good card, they were great fans. They would support it, and they'd fill the place up.
0: So one thing that I do think that this does, right, because this is one of those feuds, SB3, what we've been talking about. The, The Ray and Dominic thing had been going on for a while now. And a week in and week out, it didn't matter what Judgment Day did. Ray wasn't going to hit Dominic. And it's like, okay, well, how, how, how long do you keep giving that legs? How long can you kick this down the road? What this does is it separates things out here a little bit. It can allow Dominic and Rhea and whatever they're doing on to focus on something else because Judgment Day has like four different storylines going on right now. You can separate this out, push this match off to a bigger show if that's ultimately your goal. And then you can have Ray do whatever he's going to do on SmackDown right now. It's a date with Gunther. I think that's a very interesting matchup. I think he Ray is going to get uh, chopped into oblivion, but you know, it, it's one of those classic Ray Mysterio type matchups like back in the WCW days when he would go up against the Giants, some of these much, much bigger guys. It kind of gives it a little bit of an old school feel with this matchup that they've set up
2: yeah I, I i'm really excited for this match Rey mysterio is one of the greatest luchadores of all time gunther is kind of the best belt machine of wwe i feel like every ever since he came into the wwe in 2019 he's had a match of the year candidate or winner each and every year he's been here and i think that he has that potential if they really give them the time whether it's on an episode of smackdown or on a premium live event against Rey mysterio as far as the Rey and dominic portion of this it hasn't been going as long as people think it's been going it's only been seven weeks he just turned heel at clash at the castle which was the beginning of september but it's because they they teased it for so long they teased it for months before that that's why it feels like it's it's longer than that so if they are putting this on ice they have a potential to kind of play it out in a slow burn type of way like you can have ray on smackdown and we really haven't seen ray on his own in a very long time and we didn't even get that when he returned in 2018 we got a couple of good matches with andrade he had a u.s title run but then he got into the mystery vortex which was that feud with seth rollins and he's been stuck with dominic uh, coming out of that ever since so it's we haven't been seeing one of the greatest wrestlers of this generation on his own so him being on smackdown Facing someone like Gunther, maybe potentially, you know, having other matches, whether it's against Sami Zayn, whether it's against Ricochet, those are all fun options for him. There is so many great opportunities for him. And then you can come back to the Ray and Dominic thing at like WrestleMania or raw rumble and like i said you could play it out in a slow burn way like the next time we see ray and dominic on screen they can do like a out of the ring out of the arena out of the backstage type of scene and have dominic bring Rhea to the to the house for the holidays that's what i want to see book it book it wwe dominic brings Rhea home for thanksgiving to the mysterio family that is the next segment that i need from ray and dominic
1: well when you get a good base the ideas just are endless for this. I mean, anybody could think of how to how to to go about it, and it would work. Almost any uh, idea about Ray and his son would work because it's family. Everybody's got a family. He's mistreating his daddy, you know. And then he could probably go on his mu- anything can happen here. And I'm interested to see how it's going to play out because I think it's it's one of the better things they've done. And Ray, they put him in a position to where he's a concerned dad. He, he cares for his son. No, no matter what he does, he still like kind of supports him even though he knows it's wrong. But I'm really, really interested to see how it plays out because I think it will do well. It, it will do great. And with Gunther and Little Ray, now you see Gunther get a little heat because when he starts beating up Little Ray, they they kind of they they love him, and I think that Gunther is going to get some strong heat now. So we'll see.
0: It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And ultimately, I, the reason why, selfishly, the reason why I'm most excited that Ray Mysterio is now on SmackDown, he's officially on the same roster as Santos Escobar. Sign me the hell up for that. Dutch, we got to ask you about the big reunion that we saw this week on Monday Night Raw, celebrating 25 years of yeah. DX. Did you get a chance to to watch the opening and closing segment and everything that was built around uh, the gentleman? And uh, what did you make about DX's big uh, celebration of 25 years on Monday?
1: Well, I didn't watch Friday night because I was sick now. But I saw a clip where where they told him not to use bad language, and he said, penis. And I had to laugh because it's funny. But uh, I don't know how they're going to use them, but I think that it'll do well. Road Dogs funny as hell anyway. And I don't know what what they're going to do with everybody. But, you know, the people that grew up with DX, they'll remember them. And the kids may not like them at first because uh, they're, old, they're they're they like my dad's age or something, and they might but they will they will come to like it. So I'm interested in see how they're gonna handle that too. Don't use bad language now. Don't don't say it. Right. Look, I <laughs>
0: maybe it's the immature 12-year-old <laughs> that runs my head. I laughed my ass off at that opening segment on Monday Night Raw. I did. It was cheap, childish humor. But it it popped me, uh, you know, when he's like grabbing the rubber chicken and this, that, and the other thing. I genuinely laugh my ass off. That's my kind of humor. That's just who I am. It's fine. Um, SP3, I know you weren't as big of a fan of that segment. Uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of say your piece and I'll, I'll wrap things up here. What, what did you think about old man DX coming
2: out on Monday night? Yeah, I know they probably want this video to be all positive to talk about the (laughs) DX reunion, but I'll be honest, uh, I thought it was corny as hell. Uh, They all came off very lame in the first opening segment as a kid that grew up as a huge huge dx fan i even got detention for wearing the i got two words for you shirt back when i was uh just 10 years old so i i am a huge dx fan but it just all came off corny and lame but you know who didn't you know who was the coolest person from probably being the most the least interesting person in DX from from getting the a term for go away heat named after you Pac what's the coolest person out there he looks so he looks like he's still in his 30s while all his other friends look like they're in their 70s and they're only in their 50s he looks so cool and then he he has the best line and the most memorable thing of this whole reunion is him doing the shout out for China that was yeah. so cool so appropriate that was the right thing to do. X Pac just seemed like the coolest human being, and I hear a lot of times that's who he really is. So that was great to see. So that's the most positive thing I could say about this was we got to see X Pac be the coolest member of DX. And I did like the Corey Gray's line about uh the other guy be making <laughs> doing something with office equipment that was office
0: equipment. That was really, really funny. Um look, I think this came off corny as hell, but I'm I'm kind of okay with it because you know I- Yeah, when you're playing, because first off, they're not going to go out there and be, you know, the 90s version of of DX, because I don't think anybody wants to see a bunch of old dudes going out there and be in the 90s version of DX. So they're going to be the corny uh, version that we got in the in the PG (laughs) era. And that's fine. And I know a lot of people are saying it was corny, but I think that kind of fits, right? Because like what was cool for us back in the day is not going to be cool anyway for this generation. It's kind of like when my I remember riding in the car with my dad and he'd be playing Paul McCartney and Wings and the Beatles and all this other stuff. And I'm like, what on God's green earth is this horseshit? But now that I'm older, I kind of appreciate it, right? And I, and I do listen to some of those songs, and I can listen fondly and remember, you know, riding in the car with my dad, listening to that kind of stuff. That's what I kind of equated this DX reunion to. Is it was it was old. It wasn't as good as what we remember it to be, but it was gonna be corny anyway. That's that's it's just a different kind of generation, kind of feel towards it. That's kind of what this I is
1: what I'm it. gonna say, guys. Give it a little time. This is not dead on arrival. Because, I do think it
0: was kind of a one-off, though. I don't think they're going to be on TV every week.
1: No, but you remember uh, Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe? Yeah. You know, they were older guys, and they were running around kissing Vince's butt, and, but they were entertaining as hell. So this could probably do, if they do it in, you know, then ration it out, don't just flood it. But there's a lot of stuff they could do with that group. Not necessarily the group, but they're going to do stuff with Road Dogg anyway because he's there. I mean, he's a, I, he's right up. Uh, so you're, you're basically in, saying you want? I think I think if a lot of things they can do with that. You want Road Dogg and Shawn
2: Michaels to be this generation's Pat Patterson? I didn't, and Jared did I say, did <laughs> I say
1: that? I said there's a lot of things they could do with that group. And Shawn, I Michaels, th- I don't think he even wants to have much. To, he don't want even much on screen action anyway. No. The DX, i mean road dog is good on tv i did find i
0: did laugh my ass off when he booked the match for the miz and uh and loomis for for raw and they were like can you do that do you have booking power he was like screw it i'm doing it anyway i don't care i i did laugh at that one uh that as well so if they want to use road dog in some kind of capacity backstage i think that's i think that's fine. Oh, that's fine. I, don't think, I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of dx anymore this made me chuckle. I thought the close to the show was a little bit cringe, but overall, I think it was supposed to come off corny. That's I, I, just just my opinion. Uh, Dutch, any final comments, concerns, questions? What are you looking forward to this week? What you got going on? Anything?
1: Well, I'm, I'm recovering. I'm in recovery right now. So, uh, and I'm glad you're back, Rick.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: Sid blasted you. Of course he did hard and I, I tried to defend you the best i could but uh i'm glad you're back and i uh, <laughs> condolences to what happened but uh-huh. uh uh smackdown really shows uh a lot of improvements and a lot of ways a lot of doors that can be opened before they didn't have any they just they almost closed the door and locked it you couldn't you'd have to have a, a axe to break it down but now they have so many things open to them. And it opened up fairly quickly because they got a guy in there. <clears throat> they got a guy in there, Triple H, who knows how to open these doors. He knows what makes a good TV show because he's been around it before. And I I really like what they're doing there. We hadn't talked about Rampage, but you know, and I don't even want to talk about it tonight. I tried to watch that show the other day. My God. I just can't do it. But you, you want to ask me something? Yeah,
0: yeah. Before before we wrap up, because one thing I totally forgot, just kind of bring this full circle and talking about the Bray Wyatt stuff. Um, the one thing that I love that Triple H is doing right now is he is doing a great job of making you pay attention to everything. Nothing is a throwaway segment. Nothing. Yes. there were There were two instances that people caught anyway this week Ah, uh, backstage segments, right? Where off in the corner, if you were looking, if you had the right eye, you saw somebody in a hooded cloak looking and um, either praying or whatever, looking at one of Bray Wyatt's symbols. So you had mm-hmm. somebody in a dark cloak in a corner somewhere. It happened during Liv Morgan, and I think there was when she uh, landed her senton on Sonya Deville backstage, and then there was another one that somebody else spotted on Twitter, but I can't remember where it was. But we saw this with the QR codes. Sid, they're keeping the QR codes around, uh, which is something that you you said that you wanted. And now you're kind of forced to pay attention at all times because you never know when one of these hooded figures is going to pop up. And how does that play into the whole Wyatt Six thing? He's doing a fantastic job of using every second and every little space to t- to help tell a story. It seems like nothing is wasted on the show, which is something that we've talked about a lot, Dutch. You're talking to me or Sid? You, you talking about just wasted, oh, yeah. just time wasted. There's no wasted time
1: at a Triple H show. No, he's, he's, he, he has patience. He's not going to take, he wants to do an angle with me and you. He's not going to say, I oh, just go out there and just beat the crap out of Rick. What's the buildup to it? Why am I beating you up? Why, why am I even there? I need to have a reason. And the fans need to know the reason that something happens and they can say, oh, okay, and I say patience. The greatest patient job I've ever seen is with Sammy Zayn. I mean, but that's not necessarily Triple H. I mean, they have stretched it out this long with the old regime. So when they do that, and I guess they bring uh, his partner in or whatever they do, it's it's, it's going to work because now he's, he's over with the crowd. Now you see that uh, Bray Wyatt got over with the crowd and – and I've always said, listen to your audience. When you go out and you gotta, you gotta read the room. They call it. That's what a comedian told me all the time. Read the room, and you know what to do. And that's what. And I'm sure Triple H listens to those fans. They don't holler for no reason. They don't yell for no reason. You gotta give them a reason. And now he can just listen to them, and they tell him where to go. Not He, he decides where to go. The fans tell Triple H where to take it. And all he's got to do is follow the path, and he's got it. they, it they got and, you know PhD and pseudoscience to figure it out. Just listen to him. I mean, and, and when, look, all Sammy has to do. Course, science? Is that a course? Sure. Uh, all <laughs> Sammy
0: Zane has to do is grab a microphone and say, hang on, everybody. And the entire freaking arena just loses their damn mind. That's they have something special brewing here with Sami Zayn. Yes, they do. Day, sooner rather than later, the bloodline is going to dump Sami Zayn on his head. And we are all going to be sad for a very hot minute because the best thing going on in television is over. But we're going to be happy in the long run because it's going to be the and- catalyst to one of the biggest babyface runs, or at least it should
1: be if they do everything correctly that WWE's had in a long time. And how many times have they teased, all right, this is it. This is when they're going to do it. The T-shirt was one. Yeah. He got into it with uh, one of the Usos. Oh, this is it. Now, you think it's coming at any time. And when it comes, I think it's going to surprise us too. And that's the beauty about, about pro wrestling. You can string it along and string it along as long as it's logical, because Sami Zayn has the purpose in being there. And you know it's coming. Everybody knows it's coming. We just don't know when. That's why we watch. SP3, I
0: wouldn't be surprised if Sammy's not the first person booted from the bloodline. Like, do you get a feeling like Jay Uso is going to end up being the one on the outs? With the bloodline. And then ultimately it's gonna be Jay trying to drive a wedge between Sammy and the rest of the bloodline to earn his way back in. And ultimately that's what's gonna be what gets Sammy booted from the from uh from the family, so to speak. Like I could see that being the direction they go.
2: I mean, they, that's what they've been teasing kind of or foreshadowing if it is going to happen with how Solo Soko has been favoring Sammy over him. You know, Jimmy and Sammy have their whole handshake. Now him and Roman have inside jokes. So, you know, solely but surely you've been seeing Sammy make a connection with each member of the bloodline while this dissension grows between him and Jay that that's a reasonable way to go. It's kind of similar to how they did the whole MJF creating the pinnacle from within the inner circle where you think it's going one direction where MJF is going to take over the inner circle, but no, he just betrays everyone, you know, in the end. So they can go in that direction where they can do the double turn where they can have Jay kicked out. But then in the end, it's Jay who's the one that is the kind of the catalyst for getting Sammy out of the group.
0: A lot of different directions that they could go. It's going to be fun to watch it fold out uh, over the next uh, several weeks and, and maybe long, even months.
1: How long has Triple H been there? Six like weeks? Two, mo- two months? Uh, two months. Yeah. Okay. And you see it. He took his time and he turned it around. Now it has so much positivity to it, upside to it, and it just took a guy who understood – the wrestling business and storytelling, because I think Vince, I don't think Vince give a crap. Yeah. He stopped caring. You could tell he, now <laughs> he, he was making this money, you know, and he said, hell, I'm going to rest. Hell you guys figured out to whether he didn't like it. And I think he put the personal uh, feeling to it that he just might not like this guy because of a personal reason. I'm not saying that is, that's what happened. But I don't think he, he didn't want to be sat down and told this long storyline. Guys, he's burnt. He's just burnt out. You do this for 50 years and you get burnt out. It's like an author writing the same books. After a while, he said, hell, I just can't write no more. I don't even have the enthusiasm. I don't have the desire. I don't have the drive to write this stuff anymore. So help me out. And then they they help him out, and they said, "Oh, I don't like that shit. Get out of here!" You're fired. <laughs> so they were in a no win situation. I mean, the creative was, yeah. but I am glad that Triple H took it over. He understands it, and he straightened it out in a couple of months. Now it's got a lot of upside to it,
0: and he's done a fantastic job—maybe almost too good of a job—of of restaffing the rosters and building up the bench and the depth. Uh and he, apparently he's not done. And uh we'll we'll see who shows up week in and week out. That's another reason to keep tuning into the shows. Is you never know who's gonna show up. Uh hopefully all things go to plan this week. We'll be back live in our normal time slot for the first time of what seems like 10 years. 1105 Friday night, Eastern Standard Time here on the Sports Keto Wrestling, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Scissor <laughs> me daddy Dutch. scissor me daddy dudge. <laughs> I think that's a good